Well, JB, I thought I would dress for the moment today. Um, hey, what's what's going playoffs. on here? Are you I, is this a good? Do you have to? I hope you don't like to have to go to a funeral or something. Do you? Did any bad news happen? Uh, maybe on your end of the woods uh, on this one, uh, it, it did. Uh, so I, I'm dressed up because this is a huge moment in our show's history, and I, I'm a little disappointed you didn't get dressed up for it too. Um, Today is the day, well, this week's been the week, but today's the day that we verify for the viewership at large that you are as controversial as I am as an In the Huddle co-host. Do you happen to remember this tweet from Saturday afternoon from In the D3FB Huddle, which you run, um, And the RPI yeah, that's, PIT that's, fails. Union College is going to win 17-16, D3FB. Unbelievable. Yeah, this was, uh, this was an old-time, uh, you know, cold takes exposed. And um, the RPI faithful who, you know, let's – I'll be honest, man. I thought that there was literally zero to no chance that an onside kick and then a field goal would happen with 30 seconds left. Um the fans oh, let me have let's it, see it. And every- let's see it. Here we go. Oh. You, don't, you don't even have to tell them. Cy uh, from C Young <laughs> underscore eleven. Damn, you are catching a lot of heat for this one. Uh, Kevin Soli, yeah. who's a good fan of our uh, stuff here, uh, this yep. didn't age Amen. well. I, that's no, it did not. That one <laughs> understatement uh, of the year. Kenneth Schrader wanted that's you to a- see the team celebration photo. Thanks to him for that. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and it wasn't the Union team, by the way. Uh, yeah. Haley uh, Shoemaker, 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 Haley, uh, how'd that work out for you, uh, D3FB Huddle? Darren White. Not uh, so good. Big old oops. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've got a couple more here. We didn't even do the quote tweets. Oh, These are just the replies. Uh, Gabagool <laughs> says, uh, figure it out. And uh, Will yeah. Van Theer uh, did the old was up. So, yeah, yeah, that was what nice. was up. Uh, he, so mm. anyway, JB, it happens. Uh, I'm just glad I'm not the only one that trips over his own tongue half the time, whether it be typed or spoken tongue. Um, any final thoughts on this before we uh, hang you out to dry? You know, I mean, hey, I. It, I took I, all. All I will say is that every single one of those, uh, the, the retweet that you saw underneath them, that was for me because I realized that I screwed up so bad. I just had to accept responsibility for the screw up and just, just like pile it on, guys. I deserve it. Someone even wrote a tweet to me, basically saying like, you know, it's not too late for you to delete this. And I thought about it for a second, but I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not going to delete it. I'm just going to, I'm going to own it. I, I screwed up. I, I made a, an assumption um, that didn't pan out. And hey, ass you know, I was walking, watching. Me. Yeah. Assumptions make an ass out of you and me. That's, but in this case, it was all me um, with that one. But hey, you know, that's why when I did the, uh, the capsule for RPI on d3football.com, their playoff piece, I said you can't count the engineers out until there's zero point zero on the clock. So credit to Coach Ralph and the engineers. Yeah. So JB, since you want to be like me, apparently, uh, I'm going to let you basically throw it to our open. Well, for uh, let's see season fourteen, what is this episode five thousand of this of this season? It feels like it, right? Um, you know, here's in the. <laughs> 
That's right, season 14, episode 28 of this season. Yes, 28 episodes. And we even did some merger episodes, let's not forget. Yeah, uh, the you know crunch time. And how many do we do in the spring? Like twenty five? Like we're like we're, we must be well over fifty now, right? This is like the craziest uh, season. I'd have to look back calendar year we've it. ever had, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. By okay. far. Yeah, in, in the old days, we used to try to break up uh, interviews into their own shows and whatnot. Now the interviews are all on Twitter. So if you throw that into the mix, pretty much. Uh, we put the Merchant Marine interviews up finally. We actually did that purposely because. It would have gotten no traction with all the playoff and bowl stuff and everything else going on. Yes, there is a Coach Toop interview in there. And you almost see me cry uh, on uh, you know, oh, you, Dude, uh, I, I was totally tearing up at the end of that one. I, I, you know, I'm, in a way, I was glad that I wasn't there in Connecticut because I probably would have had to have been like, mm, yeah. man, what a, great, what a great run he's had. And he's been so awesome to us over the years and, and uh, just a great friend of the show in D3 football. Definitely will – it won't be the same without Toop. Um, I mean, I know Coach Kroll will keep the Mariners cruising right along, um, and he, you know, he'll do a great job as the as the head coach. Well, hold on, hold on. We, we have to, uh, for disclaimer purposes, and I was reminded about this on Saturday. It is a federal job, and therefore, it has ah. to be opened up uh, at large. Granted, uh, gotcha. Jameson Kroll is probably the best candidate out there under the circumstances, and we wish him well on that job uh, possibility, but uh, he is not interim head coach for this week because, as Toop told me in those interviews, he can't write he's <laughs> yeah. coaching this game. So uh, he's got one more, yeah. and we'll see how that goes. That's a uh, tough draw, far. too, man. That's going to be a great game. I mean, I know that uh, you know we're going to be more focused on the first-round playoff games, doing the bracket blitz uh, with D3Football.com. But, yeah, those New England Bowl games should be great. The four ECAC Bowl games are going to be outstanding. The Mac Centennial Series all look good. And then you got the first ever Culver's Isthmus Bowl um, at 3 o'clock on on, uh, on Saturday. So get your butter burgers ready or whatever they do to clog yeah. your arteries. <laughs> uh, that, that, I, I've learned more about butter burgers this week than I ever wanted to in my life, apparently. Uh, you brought it up, yeah, something right? that I didn't even have our uh, graphic for, but since I'm fast on the trigger... Uh, the Bracket Blitz show is Saturday uh, yeah. at 11.50 a.m. Eastern Time. We will go whip around all 16 games in some format or another. Uh, there were a couple that we didn't have full rights to yet. We're just working on making sure we secure the last of those uh, because TV stations had rights, but we can still get access to those games as long as they agree to it. So uh, we have 14 out of 16. <coughs> North Central. <coughs> yeah. Whitewater, help us out. <coughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think we'll be okay. Uh, we've been good with UW uh, TV for a while. Um, <laughs> Does that mean? Cute. Yeah, no, there's there's nothing there. Um, so anyway, uh, Bracket Blitz Show. Uh, join us uh, under the D3Football.com banner tomorrow. Um, I did some traveling, but before we get to that traveling, to uh, kind of preview the playoffs for a couple games, a couple underdogs, I, I think by all rights, uh, we uh, went out to see. Uh, but friends of the show, for sure. Uh, we've got crunch time here, and so why don't we go through how we got here? Uh, you know most of how we got here, obviously. But um, yep. the the question is, you know, those last games, how they play out? How did that RPI situation turn out the way it did? Sorry, JB. But here we go. Here's crunch time for week 11 of the, what was it, the fall 2021 D3 football season? Yeah, I think it is. We made it.
We start crunch time in the ECFC as SUNY Maritime faced Anna Maria. And Anna Maria's Darren Cooper gets his 83-yard block field goal return for the AMCATs at 421 left third quarter. Make it 17-7 AMCATs. In the fourth quarter, Vincent Marone gets a 74-yard touchdown run to put it away for Anna Maria. 24-7, they win the ECFC. Marone with 18 rushes, 164 yards, three rushing touchdowns. It's the best season of first ECFC title in AMCAT history. Then we look at Endicott at Nichols. This was for the CCC title for Endicott, and in the second quarter, Jake Trahan gets this fumble recovery for a touchdown. It's a 10-3 Endicott at that point. Three minutes later, Tyler Bridge gets a 37-yard touchdown run to give Endicott a 17-3 lead. It was all Endicott, 37-3. Early on, it was a slow start, obviously, for Endicott at 3-3, but they did roll eventually. Trahan blocked punt Force fumble, scoop and score, uh, we call it, I guess. And uh, Ryan Smith with three for three in field goals, four for four on PATs. The NESCAC title uh, was officially wrapped up by Williams in the biggest little game in America as uh, Williams beats Amherst 24-19. Uh, here's how it ended as Chad Peterson was intercepted by James Hemmer, uh, the last uh, real offensive play in this game, 24-19 final. Uh, Bobby Mamoran with the 11 for 16 day, 257 yards, two passing touchdowns, interception. Chad Peterson for Amherst, 21 for 47, 260 yards, a passing touchdown, but three interceptions. Springfield, 28, Catholic 14. This was for the new Mac title for Springfield. We'll start in the first quarter, three minutes uh, left. David Wells with a five-yard touchdown run. I think Catholic's Owen Shields gets a 14-yard touchdown pass from Mad Lowe in the second quarter to make it 14-7 Springfield. After scoring their third touchdown, Springfield's defense helped secure the victory a play later with this big interception. Aiden Lewin at the Catholic 30 returns it to the 9. Eventually they would score. It was 28-14 Springfield. Three sacks by the Springfield defense and three interceptions. Tim Callahan, 20 rushes, 74 yards, a rushing touchdown. Madden Lowe for Catholic, 333 total yards and a passing touchdown. The Secretary's Cup game, you probably know by now, was all Merchant Marine. Alec Kiernan gets a three-yard touchdown run with seven minutes left first quarter here. And then Matthew Savard gets his own nine-yard touchdown run with a minute 43 left first quarter. And hey, then with 44 seconds left first quarter, Talson Smith, a 45-yard touchdown reception from Ian Blankenship. That was 21-0, final score 49-14 in Toop's final Secretary's Cup game. They outgained Coast Guard 561 to 279 in total yardage. Ian Blankenship, 280 total yards with two passing touchdowns. And yes, too, we will miss you and we'll have more Region 1 results after crunch time. In Region 2, these two games basically ended simultaneously. We'll take a look at them one at a time. Ithaca at Cortland for Cortica. In the third quarter, 545 left. It was Wingfield getting a nine-yard touchdown pass to Mason here for a 27-14 Ithaca lead. But Derek Cruz, about two minutes later, gets a seven-yard touchdown pass from Bree Segala to make it 27-21 Ithaca. Then Cruz again from Segala with 8-19 left fourth quarter gives Cortland the lead, 28-27 at that point. You've probably seen it. Here was the final field goal attempt by Ithaca to probably win this game. Bahamunde's attempt, though, from 35 yards is blocked. Stone Murray uh, recovers it, and the block officially uh, credited to Travis Alvarez, and that gave Cortland the 28-27 Cortica win. 
and Derek Cruz had nine receptions, 96 yards, two touchdowns for Cortland, the two touchdowns you saw there. A.J. Wingfield for Ithaca, 19 for 30, 167 yards, passing and a rushing touchdown. Cortland, uh, again, with 151 left with that field goal block. That was the Dutchman Shoes game, RPI Union, and four seconds into the fourth quarter, Donovan Piquette gets a three-yard touchdown run to make it 17-7 Union. RPI would add a field goal to make it 17-10 Union with 9.30 left. Later, RPI drives and gets a touchdown, they thought, but it was taken off the board for a legal man down field penalty. But with 29 seconds left, they get it again. Vinny McDonald, 13 yards from George Marinopoulos, 17-16 Union. RPI try for two and the win. Marinopoulos takes the snap. He throws it to complete. It's no good. Flay comes in late. Well, there's a penalty against Union for unsportsmanlike conduct after the play, as you can tell. So the onside kick occurs. Oh boy, it's, it's loose. loose. The ball's loose. Union indicating that they have it. RPI sideline saying they have it. The ball's loose on the field, and RPI player has it. Who, who actually controlled Jeez. it? Oh my no, it? No indication. They say RPI has the football. So let's look at the next two plays. George Marinopoulos to Sterling Walker Sutton for 10 yards, and then again to Walker Sutton. He gets him for eight yards, the Union 20-yard line. So, spike the ball, and Trevor Bisson, only on the team for basically six days at this point, the Louisiana native for 36 yards in the win. The kick is up, and it is good! RPI hits the kick from Bisson, and the engineers celebrate 1917 as RPI has won the Dutchman Shoes. Unbelievable turn of events. RPI wins the Dutchman Shoes 19 to 17. They score the final nine points in 29 seconds. Marinopoulos 20 for 29, 215 yards, two passing touchdowns. Union's offense was held to 178 yards in that rainstorm. In the pack, no video here. Carnegie Mellon wins the pack against Case Western, 24-6. Trey Vasilidis with 38 rushes, 191 yards, one rushing touchdown. Drew Saxton for Case Western Reserve was 20 for 39, 221 yards, but he threw five picks in the game. Again, more Region 2 results after crunch time. In Region 3, we have an ODAC uh, cardiac finish for Washington Lee again. Who knew? And we're going to go to the uh, basically last play of the game as it was Washington Lee trying to even up this game late. A little more than six for Washington and Lee. Play action fake as Murren goes to the end zone. Intercepted by Tramel Anthony. The Hornets are going to win as Tramel Anthony makes an interception on the right side of the end zone. And the Hornets come up with a big defensive play. Video went out a little bit there, but uh, you can tell the interception by Shenandoah secures the 14-6 victory. Washington Lee outgained Shenandoah 356 yards to 255. Quarterback Stephen Hugney for Shenandoah was 23 for 33, 198 yards and a passing touchdown. Ben Bergen, the linebacker, Shenandoah, 20 tackles. You can see the Region 3 scores there, but we'll talk more about them after crunch time. Finally, in regions four through six, let's go through some more highlights here as St. John's wins against Bethel. Bethel had led 28 to 15 heading into the fourth quarter. Eventually, St. John's would have a chance to win down 28 to 22. Alex Larson would just get this three-yard touchdown pass from Chris Backus to make it 29-28 St. John's after the extra point, and that would do it. 
They rallied from down 13, one second left with that winning touchdown. Back is 254 total yards, one passing, one rushing touchdown for St. John's. Chicago at Lake Forest. Lake Forest needed to win a quarter in this game, and they did. And a lot more than just that. Damon Bonds of the three-yard touchdown run is what secured the first quarter win that gave Lake Forest a title, but they won outright to go 10-0, 28-6. Trey Stewart, 196 total yards, one rushing, one passing touchdown. A.J. Jackson, nine catches, 90 yards, and a receiving touchdown. In Region 4, John Carroll beats Baldwin Wallace 29-28 as John Carroll rallies down from down 18 points. Scores with 45 seconds left. Jake Flory at 25 for 40, 281 yards, three passing touchdowns. Keegan Armitage, two passing and two rushing touchdowns. In UW River Falls 28, Oshkosh 21 as River Falls outgained Oshkosh 556 to 333 in total yardage. Cole Henriksen, 376 total yards, three passing touchdowns. And Troy, Tory Jandron. 17 tackles and a forced fumble, and that is crunch time for week 11 of the season. And eventually got my voice back here. Uh, it was a uh, long week of uh, talking, and unfortunately yeah. it starts to hit you after a while, so uh, sorry we uh, didn't sound as upbeat as normal in crunch time. But uh, JB, let's go through the regions uh, here and uh, look at the scores uh, with your point of view now. Uh, we'll start again in Region 1, and uh, you'll see the ECFC, CCC, NESCAC, uh, NUMAC, and, uh, well, the, the NUMAC decided, and then the other game that kind of played yeah. some level role possibly there, but the Secretary's Cup game. Uh, what other things did you see in Region 1? Well, you know, I think, um, you know, it was interesting, other than the you know, the box scores, if, if you look, you know, Del Val shuts out. Widener in the Keystone Cup. Um, that defense has just been so impressive this year. I, mean, I guess, you know, I noticed in the uh, D3Football.com um, playoff previews that not a lot of you guys were picking them to uh, go all the way to the Final Four, uh, maybe because of some offensive concerns. 27 points isn't a ton, uh, but at the same time, you know, the Aggies have been dominant all year. Uh, we saw in uh, the also in the MAC that Stevenson knocked off FDU Florham uh, in in that season finale, and we thought that might have basically knocked uh, the Devils out of the postseason. And yet the ECAC came calling for him, um, even though Stevenson locked up the the third seed in the MAC Centennial Bowl series. Uh, and uh, so both both of those teams go into the postseason. So Elsewhere in Region 1, we saw Castleton nip uh, Gallaudet. Um, Mass Dartmouth beats Plymouth State, and Western New England beats Husson to basically get them into the uh, New England Bowls. But, you know, obviously here we got a lot of championship banners um, going on with the with the Gulls of Endicott winning the CCC, uh, the Pride winning the New Mac, uh, Amcats winning the ECFC, Williams undefeated 9-0 and uh, for the first time ever. Congrats to Coach Ray and the Eves. And so this weekend, along with the playoffs, we've got the two uh, New England Bowl games, which should be really great. Absolutely. Uh, and so Region 1 uh, was not necessarily the strongest region. We've, we've outlined that, but it seemed to have the most drama. Uh, them and yeah. Region 2, ultimately, in this country in terms of uh, conferences that went down to the wire or had some implications still in Week 11. <laughs> Uh, region 2, uh, we'll look at the box scores briefly again here, and uh, literally yeah. simultaneously, Ithaca and Union knocked themselves out of the it's playoffs, crazy. basically, 
Union, mm -hmm. those 15 yards mattered. Unfortunately, the unsportsmanlike conduct foul yep. cost them. Uh, it would have probably been a 50-yard field goal in the rain. It would not have been good, probably. And uh, you got to kind of kick yourself if you're Union on that game, and I'm sure they have been. Uh, yeah. Portland, though, a uh, great job there by uh, the Red Dragons to come back in that Cortica game. Uh, it's always these uh, rivalry games. You just can't assume anything in those games, even when the scoreboard reads a certain way. <laughs> tell, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I dedicate that to you. Uh, take us through the rest yes, of the season. Yes, thank you. Well, uh, Muhlenberg wins big over Moravian and clinches their third consecutive Centennial Conference title game. Uh, you know, they'll obviously be uh, hosting a first-round playoff game. They actually have a pretty interesting draw against the Framingham State Rams, and we'll get into that in a little bit later. Uh, but elsewhere, you know, Hopkins had to had to win to to get into the into the field, and and they did. We saw Brockport blank Alfred. Um, Brockport's going to be hosting Washington Jefferson in an ECAC game, and elsewhere, you know, no real big surprises. Um, you know, the Dickinson win over Ursinus, that was a thing that you know we've we kind of said that that your sinus loss made made us really wonder um why why muhlenberg was ranked so high in, in region two and you know it helped hopkins ultimately um maybe bump out an ithaca or a harden simmons um it, it kind of is what it is that that rack uh you know we know a lot of those guys we respect them but they made some interesting choices uh, compared to their peer groups as far as how they rated the teams in this region, and it had an impact on ultimately who, who got in and who didn't. The only real drama in Region 3 was uh, how things would end up ranked uh, ultimately. Uh, there were no upsets really, mm -hmm. uh, and the, the only no. real issue became we learned Randolph-Macon got ranked ahead of Harden-Simmons. So Harden-Simmons fans who thought they were on the doorstep of getting into the playoffs, they were a lot further than yeah, we really. even realized. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, not that even was, close. That's that kind respect. of a surprise, too. Yep. So here is uh, the rest of the scores. And uh, that Bellhaven team, uh, Brad Foley, yeah. became accustomed uh, to uh, calling his name in the spring. Uh, he didn't realize mm -hmm. just how prolific he really was until I saw this graphic. Take it away. Yeah, I mean, he had an awesome day on on last Saturday, and we'll talk a little more about him in a bit. But ultimately, uh, the Blazers finished in third place in the ASC, and I think their overall record was 7-3. and three. It's a it's a program, you know, high. And for them to really, you know, kind of rise up um, to this level uh, really says a lot about where this uh, young program is headed. And he's – Brad is uh, – Foley is nominated for kind of like a, a Mississippi – uh, best college football of the year uh, player of the year award and you know or um, one of those one of those kinds of things and and you know I hope he gets it you know he was been he's been outstanding the the Bellhaven offensive line paved the way for him to have a you know thousand plus yard season and so and they were you know the D3 football team of the week uh, at least once or twice this year so that's really says a lot the Blazers are are, are definitely on the rise and you know, hey, uh, ASC, SAA, why don't you guys do some bowl games for these, you know, second and third place teams? It would be awesome to be talking about, you know, um, you know, like a, a Bellhaven versus, I don't know, Barry or one of those types of teams. Why not? Let's make it happen sometime. I don't mind that at all. Center? I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Center, yeah, absolutely. Center had a great year. A bunch of teams down there deserve uh, one more game, absolutely. 
Uh, a lot of uh, action four through six. Don't even know where you want to begin here, so I'll let you take it. Yeah. Although that Oshkosh upset was a pretty interesting thing because some people were whispering maybe Oshkosh yeah. would get a look in those final regional rankings. Well, River Falls put an end to those thoughts. What else do you have? Well, just other than the obvious coincidence, if you look on the left-hand side, we had two games decided by a 29 to 28 score. Like, what are the chances of that? That's a kind of a random scoregami. But we had, you know, basically uh, Baldwin Wallace getting knocked out, but Bethel kind of played their way in. To be honest, um, the way the way things shook out, and congrats to the Foresters and Coach Catanzaro for finishing the season 10 and 0. You didn't exactly get the reward you probably deserved, and Frank wrote about that in the. Uh, D3 football uh, kind of playoff preview there uh, could have done better there, but Hey, you know, I know that uh, coach cat and company, they'll, they'll bring their a game and, and it should be a, a good first round matchup elsewhere. You know, Wabash knocking off DePaul in the Mon and Bell game was, was kind of a big deal. And uh, ironically, um, you know, and maybe luckily for DePaul, they, they ended up getting a pretty nice draw. So that that's a winnable game for basically both of those teams. Um, meaning DePaul and, and Rose Holman, who also won and clinched the, the Heartland. Albion took care of Alma to win uh, the MIAA. They also got rewarded with having a home game against lacrosse, which they, they might need that home field advantage against the Eagles. Elsewhere, Greenville punches their ticket in the UMAC. We saw Heidelberg win another close game to finish off their OAC season very strong with two back-to-back close ones over John Carroll and then Ohio Northern. So credit Coach Donaldson once again, terrific job. Um, if not for sort of the miraculous turnaround of Anna Maria, Frank, I think Coach Donaldson could be in that Coach of the Year type of, of conversation. What he's done and overcome um, this calendar year is really impressive. Uh, as I said before, Rose Holman, um, they win their game. And uh, the funny, uh, jump back to the slide real quick, Frank, if, I, if you don't mind. So I had Rippin, um, I guess, okay, Rippin and Lawrence was canceled. And I think that there was a, there was supposed to be a game between uh, Crown and Northwestern, um, and, which was canceled from earlier in the year. Because I remember on Saturday night watching the end of the MIT WPI game thinking, huh, this is the last regular season game of the D3 uh, regular season. I think that, you know, it's a little, you know, kind of, uh, thinking about, you know, all the stuff we've been through. And then lo and behold, last Wednesday night, nope, Crown and <laughs> Northwestern are playing. So that was officially the last game. It's not on this scoreboard, um, you know, because we I did this on, I think, Sunday night. Uh, but that was technically the last game. And, and Northwestern won 59 to 20, I believe. And as you saw in the graphic in the lower right, um, because of River Falls wins over the Titans, they are representing the WIAC in the Isthmus Bowl Saturday at 3 o'clock. Yes, sir. So here's what we're going to do from here. Uh, we're going to actually go around the brackets and predict scores at this point uh, in a less uh, cardiac style than our normal lightning picks. We'll comment about the games a little bit, but we will go mainly <laughs> scores and thoughts uh, overall. And uh, we'll be running some interviews okay. as we approach the games that those interviews are relevant in. So let's do it. We'll start in the upper left hand, which uh, we have no interviews for, obviously. Uh, so we're going to start with St. John's and uh, Lake Forest. Uh, what are your thoughts briefly in a score? And uh, we'll go from there. Well, I think if, you know, if Coach Cat was going to end up getting paired up against a number one or number two seed in this bracket, this was probably the best situate, best case scenario for that. Um, you know, with a backup quarterback at, at St. John's, 
Uh, it's going to be a challenge. Um, you know, they're, they're going to need AJ Jackson and, um, you know, their, their offense to, to kick it up a notch because it's going to be a challenge. I still feel like the Johnnies will, will hold home court. They've been winning these close games, um, you know, through Johnny magic, you know, one second left over Bethel. They, you know, they had that, um, you know, strip sack and the win in week one. They somehow the Johnnies find ways to win these games. So I'll, I'd probably go with St. John's, but it wouldn't surprise me if this game is a little closer than people think. Give me a score. Uh, how about 29 to 28? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to be that close. I, I do think that Lake Forest will score in the 20s, so it's ironic. Uh, so I have 42-21 in favor of St. John's. Yeah. Then Linfield and Redlands, uh, a rematch uh, you know, because of geography. I just don't see yeah. how this game changes too much. I think Redlands does have a little bit better of uh, attraction under them right now. Yeah. And so I'm mm-hmm. going to actually say 24-14 in favor of Linfield. What do you say? Uh, I think it, it's not going to be as bad as the 51-10 or whatever it was in week two or three. Uh, but I still think that, you know, with uh, is it Wyatt Smith, that, uh, the, the, the Linfield quarterback, I mean, that guy's been playing awesome all season. And even though Redlands is improved, I still feel like the, uh, the Cats are going to probably win it like 49-24. to 24. Okay, back to the uh, brackets here. UMHB in Trinity, Texas. Uh, I'll let you start. Let's go a little brief on these because we do have to get through all 16. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, you know, depending on how Kyle King's turf toe is doing, um, this game will be close early, but I think the crew have more firepower ultimately. It's going to be a low-scoring game. I'll take um, UMHB 24-17. I think Trinity, I think I made them the surprise in this uh, bracket on my uh, listing yeah. that they will do better than expected here. That doesn't mean they're going to win this game. Uh, but 31-21 yeah. is what I have them down for in terms of UMHB beating Trinity. Then Birmingham Southern in a rematch against Huntingdon. Um, Chris Shuford all day, every day. I mean, this wasn't even close the first time they played it. And so why should it change yeah. that much? Uh, Birmingham Southern wins this game 38-10 to on my list. Go ahead. Yeah, the last time was 48 to 9. I'll say this time around it will be 35 to 17. I think Huntington will make it a little bit more competitive, but not much. Let's go bottom left here, the Whitewater uh, bracket and Whitewater versus Greenville. Uh, go ahead and start this one. I don't think you have much you have to say. Yeah, this will probably be like a 65 to nothing type of uh, drubbing, unfortunately, for uh, for Greenville. Just Whitewater's way too powerful, way too big. Um, just two different classes of teams. 56 to 7 in favor of Whitewater for those reasons. DePaul, Rose Holman, you called it a winnable game for both teams, and I do agree with you on that. Uh, granted, DePaul has one loss out of division, so technically they're a one loss team in Division Three, Rose Hallman is a team that has shown glimmers of greatness throughout the season and then every so often falls off that. So the consistency issue is where they need to sort of be better here to win this game. I think DePaul does win it, though, 28-20. to 20. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Tigers, too. I mean, ever since the spring season, Coach Cat saying how senior-laden this squad is, they're at home. This time of year, it's going to be cold up there in the Midwest, so I'll take the home team. Um, yeah, 28 to 21 sounds about right. It'll be close, but it'll be uh, the Tigers win, I think. 
The only two-loss Pool C team, Bethel, is going to be traveling to Central, and I'll let you start this one. Yeah, I mean, Blaine Haskins and company have looked amazing. Um, Bethel has, you know, fought the Johnnies tooth and nail, but I think, um, you know, I called Central a possible dark horse to make it deep into the tournament. I'll go with uh, I'll go with the home team here. In this case, uh, 35-21. I think we know Bethel can score. I mean, I think we know Bethel can show some goodness uh, in games. I just think Central's slightly better here, and I think they'll pull away late. Central winning this game, thirty-four to twenty-one. Uh, Wheaton against Aurora. If North Central could uh, kind of beat down Aurora early in the season in week two or week three, whatever that was, um, then why wouldn't we assume the same for Wheaton? Uh, you know, who played North Central very close. So uh, the score will be yeah. somewhat more reasonable, but it will still be on the side of the CCIW team. Wheaton wins 42-24. Yeah, I was going to say 45-21 Thunder. Uh, I think they're just too strong. And uh, trying to find the right uh, bracket here. I think we found it finally we in the Mount Union bracket. <laughs> There we go. Uh, and right, uh, that's going right. to be yep, uh, Mount Union uh, versus Washington and Lee. You start. Uh, yeah, I mean, Purple Raiders probably uh, by a decent amount. They're, they haven't been destroying teams like they used to in the past. So I think a 37 to 7 sounds right to me. Yeah, I, I just think yeah, it's uh, Get to the right bracket again. Uh, I I agree with you. you. <laughs> yep, uh, but I I think Mount Union's still a team that's going to win this one big uh, by forty eight to seven. I, they will get into the forties in this game. I just okay. Washington Lee struggles against a team like Shenandoah. How are they going to be or put up a fight against a team like Mount Union? That's that's my question ultimately here. Uh, Saul's so, so, and nothing against Shenandoah, but it, it's just a different class. I don't think anybody would disagree with that right now. Um, yeah. Salisbury Johns Hopkins. Tough game to pick. I, I, you know, on paper, you'd want to say Salisbury all day. Who's quarterbacking, Jack Lanham or Billy Gant, is one question. And the second question is, how will they handle the high-powered, uh, fast-paced offense of Johns Hopkins? And I, I think they will be able to. I just don't think this is going to be a huge route. I think Salisbury wins the game 31-13. to yeah, this is the one game which, you know, I, I as much as I've criticized the um, the rack for putting Hopkins into the field, for some weird reason, just the, based on what I've seen from Salisbury this this year and the way the NJAC has, has really not been competitive, I just have a weird feeling that Hopkins is going to win this game. Um, it's going to probably be a close call, but I'll take the Blue Jays, uh, maybe a little higher scoring, 38 to 31. So uh, then you saw Del Val hosting Anna Maria. Before we talk about that game ourselves, uh, I did visit Paxton, Massachusetts on Wednesday night. And uh, interesting, I'd never been near Anna Maria, kind of off Worcester, uh, to the west of Worcester. Um, You get off exit nine, basically, towards Sturbridge there, and uh, kind of meander your way up through uh, not easy to get to, uh, but uh, nice campus. Over the river and, and through the woods, Frank. Yep. <laughs> and uh, when you drive into campus, the first thing you see is the football field. And I, so I was like, okay, well, at least I don't have to put this into the GPS. That's pretty easy, that part of it. But uh, it, we uh, got some great interviews there. Uh, first is going to be senior quarterback Alex Cohen and Coach Mulroney. 
uh, talking about uh, the season so far and uh, the offense. And Jude Sampson, who is a senior graduate student defensive lineman, and Soivan Small, a graduate student senior linebacker, talk about the defense and how they try to compete against Del Val. So here's some interviews from Anna Maria. Where the hell did this team come from this year, especially offensively? Because this is probably one of the biggest surprises in not just Region 1, but the entire country right now. Tell us what changed culture-wise to this offense to become a playoff team. Yeah, I can totally understand how it would come as a surprise to everyone looking out, looking in. But, um, you know, we knew that we had guys and we, we, we knew we had the coaches and all of our preparation that we put in. And it, it just clicked and we started to roll. And then we just kept stacking good days on good days and turned into a really good offense. Coach, we've talked before with you. Uh, you've had an optimism. It hasn't always turned out to the wins. And at what point this season did you kind of say to yourself, yeah, it's finally happening here? What was that kind of crossroad moment? Yeah, I mean, there wasn't really a moment. I feel like we've been winning, you know, here for a long time. Recruitment, uh, retention, development. Um, it just started to express on the scoreboard a little bit this year which was awesome but wins wins are awesome to get and they're like rabbits right you start winning you start all of a sudden you have a dozen of them pretty soon so um we're really excited about how far this program has come it's pure joy in our hearts to, to just get the, these guys and, and other guys who believed and stayed with it and trust the process well let's talk trust the process sure. the administration had to trust you the wins weren't materializing and you basically had to say to them you know be patient be patient trust the process <clears throat> You know, behind the scenes, who do you have to thank for that? And are you happy with what has happened here in terms of uh, the feedback this year, especially? Yeah, no, no doubt. My administration is the best athletic director. Our president's a, a, she's at every football game. She's the man I took this job. And, you know, I came here. This was a this was a tough road when I got here. There were 17 players in the program when I first got here. It, was, it wasn't a, a rebuild like a normal rebuild. It was a start over, you know, start fresh. Um, we knew it was going to take some time, and I told him to stay patient. You know, time and patience is something that football coaches aren't good at, right? Um, but, you know, they trusted me, and, and I, you know, I'm indebted to them forever, and I'm really indebted to these seniors for staying around and really trusting and believing and having faith. Alex, uh, seniors have to learn still, and you had to learn in the Castleton game. I think you threw the ball 64 times, if I remember correctly. Uh, how's your arm feeling after that, I guess, is one question. But now, what did you learn? What did the offense learn, especially from that game, that loss, that got you guys over the hump eventually for the ECFC title? Oh, yeah, we learned a bunch of things from that game. One being that we, we learned how to play a full game 60 minutes and I mean we, we look back early in the season when we were kind of we had to work on that and no matter the outcome of that game our guys fought to the very end so you can only be proud of the guys and um, mistakes were made that day but they were cleaned up as soon as we got back to work the next day. We have a big game here, Del Val. We got to talk about that team. They are great offensively. They are great defensively. You're going to have to face that defense. Uh, no team is insurmountable, obviously. But what do they present? What kind of challenges do they present to you defensively from what you've seen on film? Um, just you can tell they're well coached team. They're always going to be in the right spot, and um, you can tell it's a, a good group of guys that love the game of football. But so do ours, you know. And and I'll take my 11 that loves the game of football over any 11 any day of the week so that, that that's what i'm looking forward to is the challenge of good football against good football coach the behemoth they are it, maybe it's uh, easy to get lost in the lights of it all but it seems like your team has kind of a not laid back attitude but a relaxed 
hey, this is a big game, we're gonna go out and do what we can type of feeling, and if we can win it, great, and we hope we do. Is that a good read here, and what are you preaching to them right now? Yeah, there's no question we're gonna fight. There's no question about it. You know, we've scheduled pretty tough here the last couple of years as well. I mean, Union was in the top, you know, 15. We scheduled RPI that same year. This is our last year playing football in 2019. That was done on purpose. Hopefully, you know, the kids, you know, can step up to the challenge, and, you know, they're gonna fight. There's no question about it. Our, our team's not scared, and, and there's no reason to feel that way. And I know our guys are gonna compete their butts off. Uh, they do it every day, and, and I'm gonna see it again on Saturday. Did the COVID year, it obviously didn't help anybody per se, but did it give you guys the ability to get a focus on that maybe you didn't have prior to uh, this past year in some? Yeah, I mean, COVID helped a lot. I mean, it really did. It's not as crazy as it seems. It, you know, connected teams win, right? And we were on one group chat this whole time, and, you know, we were Zooming every day, and we were talking every day. Yeah, I think that's a huge benefit of championship programs. Uh, but also we are able to play spring football at pads. And, and, you know, when you look at the two teams in the playoffs in New England, Endicott and Anna Maria, we ended up playing each other in the spring. Those are the only two teams that did, and our players really felt that belief after they played them that, hey, you know, we're one of the better teams in New England after that contest, and it really kind of re-recruited them to come back this this fall, and I think that was huge. Take the brotherhood a step further in this discussion. What, what, what was it like for the brotherhood of your team? It's it's everything. Um, we're, we're such a unified group. Um, I've been on teams in the past where it hasn't been, and it shows up, and when games get tight and games get close you lean on your brothers and if you're not unified you can't lean on them so a big thing with this group is we're one unit one big team and I love all 130 guys in this roster and I'm sure they can say the same thing about us and the coaches so that that, that helps us and it definitely took us far in the uh, regular season 130 guys they, in the old days talk about New England football the 130 man roster unheard of and that's where we are now good luck to you guys but before we leave you uh, you're going to get it too. I, I'm going to get you the uh, shout outs at this point for any family, friends, uh, teammates that might be watching. Alex, coach, go ahead one at a time. You go first, Alex. Uh, hey, Ma. Hey, Dad. Love you. Um, shout out Coach Fru, Plymouth South Football. Good luck in the playoffs this weekend. And um, go Amcats. Put me on the spot a little bit, but I have to first shout out my wife. She's been, she's been my number one fan the whole time, you know, through all of it. 17 players till now, so I love you. And obviously my good luck charm, uh, my little son Jack Barrett. Um, I know he's sleeping right now, but he misses. I miss you every night, buddy, at practice. I, I'm excited to see you later. Uh, Jack is going to be a linebacker, I think. So just <laughs> write that down right now, folks. Guys, Appreciate good luck this weekend. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Now, guys. You're both listed as graduate students, so that would tell me that you have probably come back for football uh, in particular, uh, maybe some unfinished business uh, in your view. Take me through the decision-making process and how you feel about that decision at this point. Uh, I definitely made the decision to come back because, yes, unfinished business, but um, I honestly just miss the team. Uh, I want to get back here and play football. Uh, I am excited to uh, get back out there, get to the playoffs, and show off our talent. So, yeah. Same yeah, question. Much like you, I came back for football, but also to um, finish my NBA. Um, I feel like coming back was actually a blessing for me. Um, never take advantage of the opportunity. But, like you said, we have unfinished business to do, so. Between the two of you, I think there's about 100 tackles on the chart uh, overall. Uh, defensively, people didn't necessarily respect this team as much as others in the conference or in the region. 
what was we asked Alex about the culture change offensively what was the culture change defensively that led to what we saw this season which was obviously a lot better product compared to past years well, I think it was just a the experience we had on defense, you know, a lot of older guys and then let's take young guys under our wing. Um, same mentality we have for the past four years, we just passed it on and then just kept on developing, developing, and getting better and better each practice. So I think that was a major culture change. Yeah. Uh, definitely just go off what he said. Just years and years of losing. Uh, we, just ha- we always had the same mentality that we're going to be winners one day. So we just stayed with it. And, you know. At what point, though, did you say to yourself, this feels different? This feels like something that we hadn't experienced two, three years ago. Uh, obviously, the COVID year gets in the way of all yeah. this, but something had to click inside your head to say, this this is different this year. What was yeah. it for you? Um, I would say we got, we, got, we got some new pieces to the team that definitely help out a lot. Um, and COVID, like you said, kind of like put us in like a a hyperbolic time chamber you know kind of like locked us in and we really started grinding it out so yeah was it a focus scenario like that yeah it really was so just having that year off and then being able to bond with new guys and you know working on techniques and talents and Mm -hmm. we just like bond together I feel like the bond is what made us really special yeah well nobody can take away the uh, results from the season but you have a Herculean scenario coming up in front of uh, you the uh, Dalval team you know is extraordinarily good yeah. uh, obviously they were number one in the region for the both rankings probably all three if we had a guess uh, but look they're beatable we've seen this in past years uh, they haven't won a championship but obviously a national championship what's it going to take defensively to beat this team do you feel what do they bring to the table offensively um defensively i know we just got to take care of our jobs down do each assignment takes 11 jobs it's working together working together as a unit so i feel like just working together and run to the ball fast um playing aggressive playing fast we do our jobs independently i think we should have a good game on defense Offensively, that's not my position, but I know for a fact we have balls on that side of the ball, and they're going to do their jobs the best of their capabilities. What do you see on their offense that kind of makes you wonder, you know, boy, what can we do to beat this team ultimately? What is their strength, do you think, uh, most of all? Uh, they definitely have some talented players, but we also got dogs too. So, you know, um, we are, we're going to come with the intensity we always come with. Uh, no fear. And just, yeah, we're hunting the ball. Last question. Uh, we talked to Alex about the Castleton game. It was a game that obviously you learn a lot from probably as a loss. What did you learn from the Castleton game that's going to help you guys this Saturday against Del Bell? Uh, I learned to never take a team lightly, you know, never underestimate a team. Um, we, I wouldn't say we underestimated Castleton. I'd say they kind of just came out with a different, you know, energy. Could have matched it, which is okay. Um yeah, I'm just gonna have <laughs> just gonna have a lot of fun this game. Uh, just play for each other and see how it goes. Did I say something wrong, guys? <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, don't worry about it. But uh, yeah, same, same um, general question about Castleton. Yeah, the lesson learned was that we had to play four qu- four quarters the same the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, came off we came out a little bit slow. I think that's what affected us. Um, so we had to start fast, finish fast, and just play together for all four quarters. Yeah. Okay, let's move to happier th- uh, thoughts. It's shout-out time for any family, friends, teammates that might be watching. Oh. I'll let you guys uh, choose who goes first. Let's go right ahead. Uh, uh, hey, Mom. Yeah, <laughs> hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. It's good. It's going to be that easy, yeah. huh? <laughs> well, these guys may be short on words, and one of them may be short, uh, or small, actually. Uh, okay. 
who the heck named you small? <laughs> good question. <laughs> but uh, they are large in heart and attitude this season. We've seen that. So good luck to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so it was cold and I was moving a lot. I, I got that much from that interview. Also, yeah, look, I was yeah, yeah during that during that tape. I was I, I did text you. I was like, how cold was it there? You could hear the guys were sniffling. It, it was that's New England winter starting to creep around there. It was I bet you it was chilly out there. <laughs> Forty five degrees, give or take. And uh, yeah, I, I'm Italian enough well, where I'm talking my hands. Yeah, well, I talk about your hands normally, and then when it's colder, you talk even more with your hands. That's just the way it goes. So uh, we'll go back to the practice and put it in context. Uh, Del Val, uh, Anna Maria, um, despite what we talked about here, uh, what do you think yeah. the score will be of this game? You know, it's just it's going to be one of those things where it's probably not going to be dissimilar from what we saw against Wilkes. Um, you know, probably a twenty-seven to thirty-five to nothing type of situation. Unfortunately, I mean, just Del Val is so stacked. They've got you know full loaded roster of all American defensive players who are like 24, 25 years old. It'll be a great opportunity for Anna Maria to see you know that you know that kind of national you know contender type of thing, and it'll help Coach Mulroney continue to build the program. Um, but it's going to be tough to get a win, uh, especially in Doylestown. To be the best, you got to play the best. Uh, it's what we always yeah. hear. And so 35 yeah. to 10 will be the score in favor of Del Val. But I, I don't think it's going to be a runaway route. 10 points route. would be incredible. Yeah. Well, and holding Del Val at 35 also. I still do question a little bit of the yeah. offense uh, and how consistent they're going to be against top-level teams. I think the MAC was down when it comes to teams underneath them. And honestly, if yeah. Anna Marie wants to succeed, uh, let me just say, if Anna Marie wants to succeed, yeah. short passing game. You're not going to beat the safeties. You're not going to be able to run it down their throats very well. It's going to have to be the short pass game that keeps possession alive for the team. It that's the not. only thing I can figure out. If Anna Marie were to have a chance in hell of winning this game, that's what's going to have to do what I think. What do you think? I mean, you know, the number one, scoring defense in the nation. Uh, they've had multiple shutouts this year. In, in, 10 points would be double that what most, most teams are able to do against Del Val. So um, that would be, you know, I think a, an awesome goal, awesome, you know, opportunity for, for the Anna Maria. Hopefully they'll go out there and give it their best shot. We'll see what happens. Muhlenberg and Framingham State. Uh, look, Framingham State, I think, is going to score some points here, but not enough to win. Yeah. I think they're just a better team than 10, 11 weeks ago, as we've chronicled here. Muhlenberg mm -hmm. wins this game 40-17. to 17. I think it's going to be closer than that, Frank. Um, I, I, I just feel like, you know, with the, the strength defensively that, that the Rams have, it might be a little tighter, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hatanowski takes the, the the top off the defense with a few long passes. And anyway, I'll take um, I'll take the elite um, Mules and Coach Milne to win thirty five to twenty one. A message to the elite statesman James Baker: It's Natkowski. We got to give him credit so that H is Nat completely silent. Natkowski, that's right. Natkowski. Yep, there we go. Now, now we got it down. Uh, Nate Milne would be on you. He'd be texting you during the show. We can't have that distraction because you have to be elite during the show, okay? Yeah, Here just like go. my tweets are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but yeah. That. Okay. Uh, North Central's uh, bracket here, North Central versus Carnegie Mellon. Um, hell of a draw for the two lost Carnegie yeah. Mellon team that's had a fight, a real hard fight to get to this point in the first place. And uh, do you mm -hmm. see a chance here at all for Carnegie Mellon, the Tartans? 
I mean, their defense will keep them, you know, keep this respectable, I think. Um, but, you know, down the, down the line, I think this is going to be like a 28 to seven or 35 to seven kind of, kind of game, at least, you know, the Tartans will give up 50, which most teams have or plus to, to North central. Um, I just feel like it's just, you know, the defending champs are just too loaded. Um, the defense for CMU keeps them, keeps it respectable, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that, unfortunately, uh, North Central's got too much under the uh, hood for offense, and they're going to be able to score 47 yeah. points. 47-10 uh, to 10 is the final here. This may be the game that we disagree on. Let's see what happens here. Um, Albion, Wisconsin lacrosse. I think Albion's got enough offense to actually do this. I, I think that we, we've been taking a little bit for granted in terms of the MIAA versus the WIAC, and I get that. But I think that having watched a little bit of Albion play in the spring and in the fall, yes, their competition isn't as strong necessarily as WIAC general competition, but I think this game may surprise people. So this is my upset special, 24-21 Albion wins. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that happening. I just feel like the Eagles, even though they have lived dangerously um, this season, they are just, you know, if they can, if they are basically a, a batted pass away from beating Whitewater for the WIAC championship, they're just going to be a little too much, um, especially with the size up front on both the offensive defensive lines. I think they kind of pound away and um, eventually pull away 28 to 14. We're going to invert the order here. We'll do the Endicott RPI game first uh, for reasons you'll understand okay. in a second. Uh, I think that this game should have been an RPI. That's my biggest disappointment, as you know. You think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, to say that uh, Region 1 and Region 2, you just have to look at where they are in the rankings on each, and that's how you can figure out who the better team is. That's not the way it works, or not mm. supposed to uh, work, at least that way. Uh, I think RPI has been so cardiac so many times this year, it's going to happen again. 2120 RPI. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely going to be a close game. Um, and when you look at some of the overlaps between, you know, how Endicott and RPI played teams like WPI, for instance, um, yeah, I mean, they're they're always, you know, kind of close calls. But I feel like the engineers um, have a little chip on their shoulder now. And so I, I'd like them to win this one 20, 27 to 20. I don't know if it's going to come down to a last-second field goal but it wouldn't surprise me. They just it's five, five or six times a season, it's come down to a play in the final seconds for them. It's crazy. The last game we have to talk about uh, is it the only three loss team in the pack, Springfield? Uh, yes. Right. So the only three loss team gets the undefeated team of Cortland uh, in the last game we have to talk about here. So I went over to Springfield a little bit earlier in the day, a little bit warmer uh, in Massachusetts at that point in time. Uh, and spoke with David Wells, the senior quarterback of Springfield, Kyle Neer, senior safety, and Coach Sarah Zullo to talk about this Cortland game and the season. I, I mean, let's remember something. We, we talk about the Western New England loss to start the season. At one point, they were 1-3, and three, the Springfield team. Yeah. We lose that in the mix. And then they rattle off how many straight to get to this point? Uh, what was it, six straight? Six. So yep. let's, let's talk to these guys. 
Guys, uh, this has been one of those weird seasons for Springfield where it starts with a loss and a couple other losses along the way, but you still win the conference. You guys have been playing like it's been a playoff scenario for a few weeks here, obviously, every game. Dave, I'm going to start with you. Uh, your season alone, you got injured up front uh, in this whole schedule, came back, fought your way back. Tell me about your road here this season and how it feels to be going to the playoffs. Uh, personally, for me, the first game it was tough, you know, getting being up my knee and getting injured, but having all the guys around you picking you up and just coming back stronger than ever and going seven, six, and oh in the last couple of games was pretty special. Yeah, it's been an incredible uh, situation. The defense has played a big role in it, Kyle, and you know, I saw the uh, Catholic game. Uh, where it was basically back-to-back touchdowns thanks to the defense. Tell me about how important you think the defense has been to the role this season. Uh, honestly, um, quick, I just want to touch on what Dave was saying about how we started off the season slow. Um, the coaches really, we went to a bye week one and three in week five, and uh, the coaches really hammered just sticking together um, and worrying about what's in front of us. And then, like you said about the defense, um, yeah, we've been we've been doing pretty well as a group. Um, I feel like throughout the season we've come together collectively um, and played hard together, but it's all about complementary football, and when we make stops, the offense being able to go score some touchdowns, that's what it's all about here. We talk about the brotherhood here at Springfield, and they're trying to make you guys laugh like crazy, the brotherhood right now. Uh, so, uh, you know, hello to everybody over there. <laughs> but, uh, Dave, uh, offensively, the triple option. Let's look at this Cortland game coming up a little bit. Yep. They haven't seen much of the triple option, obviously, yes. but you haven't seen necessarily a defense like theirs. They are primo. Yep. Take me through this matchup, offense versus defense, uh, Springfield-Cortland. Um, they have some big guys up front, but we have some big guys up front too, so just give it to our playmakers and hope they make plays. And let's flip the question here because uh, Bree Segala has had a heck of a season offensively mm-hmm. for Cortland. you watched the film. Tough to stop, but is he unstoppable? Um, no, uh, they have a lot of good players on the offensive side of the ball, um, but I think that we have good players as well. And like I said, we've come together collectively, and I think um, no one's unstoppable when um, you put Springfield football defense on the field. you got to kind of like this feeling that you guys are an underdog here. This is unusual to hear Springfield underdog going into a playoff game. And when you've been favored, not you guys necessarily personally, uh, it's sometimes led to losses. You guys are kind of playing with house money at this point. How's that feel? Uh, it's great. Honestly, uh, when they saw Springfield 7-3 and three pop up on that uh, selection show, they were probably giggling to themselves. But record doesn't mean anything about the way that we're playing right now. Like David said earlier, um, we're on a 6-0 stretch right now. And like you said, we're playing with house money. We're playing for ourselves. Everyone could see us as an underdog, but we don't. Dave, Chad Shade. Uh, he's been, uh, you know, hitting me up saying, how about that David Wells guy? And uh, he's over at K-State uh, with his baseball scenario and everything. But uh, what does his friendship, what did his tutoring, basically, his quarterback, mean to you along your maturation process here? Chad Shade was actually the first guy that introduced me to everybody. He became friends with me and everybody. So with him, me backing up him for the last couple of years, really helped me throughout everything on and off the field. He's just a great dude and and he's just going to be great for the, he was great for the whole program. Last question for both of you. You took the spring off, both of you, I believe. Yes. Uh, that allowed you to come back for the extra year. Yep. 
when you were sitting at one and three, what was going through both of your minds at that point in time? Start with you, Kyle. On it. But what was going through your mind? You know, was this a mistake? What were you thinking? What were you saying to your teammates at that point in time? Uh, not once did I ever think it was a mistake. I think, honestly, it was probably the best decision I ever made in my life uh, to take the year off so I could play um, one last season. And when we were sitting at one and three, um, walking into coach's office during that bye week and him just reassuring um, the whole team, uh, I'd never had, like, a thought that the season wasn't going to go as planned. And I was confident that we were going to bounce back. Dave? Almost the same thing as Kyle. I never thought one second that I made a bad mistake coming back. You know, I don't play for myself here. I play for everybody around us. And every single game, we're going to give 100%. So we're going to finish the season if we finish off at 1-9 or right now 7-3. 7-3 seven and, three. Seven and three with at least one to go here. We'll see how it goes. But if you guys watch the show, you know what's next. Any shout-outs, any family, friends, teammates, whoever may be watching. I know the teammates are kind of standing in the uh, sidelines here waiting for their names to be called. So <laughs> those offensive linemen might want their names called, Dave. Just tell them to come on in and give the shout-outs, guys. A uh, little shout-out to my family and to my little sister, Hannah Wells. Uh, same. Shout-out to my family. Um, appreciate you guys. And shout-out to my boys on defense. Let's go. Guys, good luck to you this weekend. You. And playoffs, here we come. Thank, Thank you. you. Let's go. Coach, uh, what a ride. 2021 has been for you not just the fall but all through it uh you're not getting to play in the spring we talked yeah. about that in the preseason let's talk about what's going on now with postseason um you start with one and three and you get to the playoffs after all what's going through your mind throughout this season yeah i think it was just the resiliency of the kids for uh, a long period of time not just uh, the first couple games stretch there but this started a long time ago. We had 10 or 12 kids that came back for their fifth year that it meant so much to them to be able to play with their teammates and the brotherhood. And uh, So that was special having them back and then be able to turn the thing around the way we did. And, and again, that's a testament to these kids. They, they've worked extremely hard, but they've done it together. And that's the thing that uh, we take most from this season is just their commitment to each other. It's been really special down the stretch here. That word together is a big word around here. I know that. Uh, the brotherhood and everything else that we always uh, talk about with Springfield football. What's your level, uh, not to get cliche, but what's your level of pride in what the, these guys have been able to pull off here carrying into these playoffs? Yeah, when we talk about the program and, and uh, you know, I've been extremely fortunate to have some great mentors here at Springfield College and we honored a couple of them a few weeks ago at our 130-year celebration with Coach Hollick and Coach DeLong, two legends within the program. And, and when we talk to the kids, it's all about, you know, playing for ourselves and playing for the brotherhood, but the brotherhood represents a lot of years of football here. So uh, it's important for me and it's important to these kids and, and it's important to the program that, uh, you know, we're successful not only on the field but off the field. And, and again, the work ethic and the, the time, energy, and effort that these kids have put in, you know, throughout the course of the last two years to get to this moment, it's, it's special. Special uh, also covers, though, Cortland, uh, the season they've had. Uh, a little extra special when you think of how they won the game last weekend, uh, blocking a field goal that probably would have done them in or at least made it tough on them. Uh, so you're both kind of living uh, by the sword in some ways here. Uh, but, you know, to travel out there, who knows what the weather's going to be. Yeah. Uh, give me your outlook on this game. What, what should we look for here in terms of if you're playing well and if they're playing well? Yeah, again, our kids are going to play hard, and I know that, and they're going to give everything they've got, and that's all we've asked them all year. And 
And uh, so we're going to go out there and have some fun with it, and uh, it's going to be a great atmosphere. Hopefully, uh, you know, get as many fans as they had for the Kodaka Jug last week, <laughs> and uh, and our our families will travel well. And yeah, they're a great team. There's no question about it. You don't get to 10 and 0 without being a great team, and and we, we've got good players here too, and, and we're excited to to be able to compete against them. It's uh, it's a great honor for these kids to be able to get back to the NCAA's. Okay, though you you, you kind of skirted the question. I know you <laughs> did. How do you stop Reese Gala? Um, I think it's it's not any one person that we're trying to stop. It's collectively playing, you know, uh, good team defense and good team offense, and establishing the fullback game and not having any turnovers and playing smart football. You're a smart coach. <laughs> I, I I know where you're going or not going with that one, but uh, Coach Fitzpatrick, you got to at least give him kudos for what he's been able to oh, do in his first season. They've done a great job, and and we, we've talked about it within our program is that to be able to manage the last couple of years, it's it's not just a couple months that that you have to manage as a coach. It's the last couple of years, and um, and obviously did a great job and and uh, testament to their program. And I mean, they're well coached. They're uh, they're efficient, but they're also explosive on offense, and they play fast defensively. So they're they're doing great things on uh, all three phases of the game. The triple option is something they haven't seen much of this season, at least. Uh, do you think, for a team coming into the playoffs, that becomes a tough thing to suddenly have to defend against on that defense? Yeah, I think when you get to this point in the year, every team's tough. So it's no matter what offense you run or what defense, it's you know everybody's pretty good at this point in time. So. You know, I'm sure they'll have a great plan in place, and, and again, hopefully it's a great game, and our kids will be ready to play. Uh, normally we don't give you shout-outs, but I'm going to give you that, that opportunity because uh, it's been a hell of a season yeah, for you, my friend. I just, for the entire NUMAC, our athletic department, but uh, to be able to play a full 10-game slate this year, uh, you know, we, we rallied late to get 10 games for these kids, and, and that was great by our athletic department. And then, I mean, just these kids and... Uh, you know what they've you know put up with and i know a lot of people have put up with a lot worse but uh um to come out this year and have this this has been been a great great year for these kids so i'm happy for them let me ask you a question you bring up the uh, schedule did you need the losses to get the wins in the end do you think uh, <laughs> no we didn't want those but uh <laughs> i think uh i think we learned a lot about ourselves and uh and we probably learned a lot more about ourselves through those experiences than sometimes uh when you know you get some easy victories or whatever you don't need to lose to win, but it doesn't <laughs> hurt to get the lessons from those losses. That's what no we question. conclude here. Congratulations and good luck, sir. Thanks again, Frank. Thank you. Appreciate it. it you know, he, he's That's learned great. the coach so long speech so well over the years. Uh, you know, don't answer the question. Yeah. That's going to get me buried in the process. It's a team effort, and we're going to try to stop the other team, and uh, we want to win every game, and we're going to show up. And that's Coach Sarah Zuloy's yeah. finest right there. A good poker player. Oh, you, um, for sure. And, you know, there, there were a few, you know, kind of coaching, you know, l lines in there. But, you know, when the after hearing those interviews, Frank, I, I really want to I, I really want to change my my brain to, to basically say this isn't a seven and three Springfield team. This is a six and oh Springfield team going into this game against a ten and oh Cortland, um, who was seconds away from being you know a, a one loss team. Um, you know, it's one of those things I really feel like the pride after that bye week just turned the corner. They had 12 turnovers in their three losses in September. And now that they've kind of got that handle on that, and if they can keep the literal handle on the ball in Cortland, they're going to have a chance in this game, just like they did against Union uh, back in what was that, like week three? Uh, I think like four, actually. It was three or four. Week yeah. four. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
It, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Score-wise, I think it's going to actually be one of the closest, let's say, undefeated versus not-so-undefeated uh, games that we've got on the slate here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got it down yeah. as 28-17 to 17 in favor of Cortland. I, I just don't think Cortland's going to get that level of points. The weather should be okay, uh, but I just think that uh, the shortness of the game that Springfield's going to be able to induce will not allow them to score into the 30s. If Springfield's going to win this game, this has to be a two-hour and ten-minute football game. Yeah, probably. And, and you know, one of the things that, that keeps, you know, kind of being overlooked, uh, and, and Bree Sagala said it on our show a few weeks back, is the Cortland defense. Uh, they only allowed five touchdowns all season, and three of them were against Ithaca in Week 11. Uh, they are incredibly stout defense. Um, they may have a little bit of adjustment period getting used to the, the speed of the triple option, the way that, that Springfield runs it. But, you know, guys like Devin Smith and others on that, you know, on that Red Dragons defense, it could be, you know, it could be a challenge. For some weird reason, Frank, I want to go with like 30 to 23, which was the final <laughs> of the Union game. Um, I don't know if it's going to be that high scoring, um, but given the fact of the, you know, those three receivers like Cruz, uh, Lap and Ash for for Cortland. There's going to probably be a couple of big plays in this game, and um, you know, ultimately, maybe just a little too much talent for for the pride to overcome. But it's going to be a, probably one of the better opening round matchups that we're going to get to see on Saturday. JB, last but not least, and I, I was remiss not to include with this earlier. We have so many slides on the screen today; it's unreal on this live show. Slides. But I, I, yeah, I wanted to uh, give all those slides. Yes, yeah, who knew? Uh, JB's MVPs for uh, week 11. I mean, people are probably tweeting at us, who were the MVPs? Come on, we could tune in just for this moment to find out JB's MVPs. (laughs) Yeah, right. And there are six photos on the screen. Go ahead, take them. Yeah, so, you know, for the last week of the regular season, I had to go big. Um, And we spoke earlier about Brad Foley's awesome season with Belhaven. Um, He had 26 rushes for 193 yards and three touchdowns, plus two receptions for 56 yards and a receiving score. He went two for two passing, by the way, in that game. I mean, what can this kid not do? Um, Outstanding uh, offensive output for him. And also joining him, Charlie Stanton from from Curry. Listen to these stats, Frank. 42 of 71, 550 pass yards, five passing and one rushing touchdown. (laughs) I mean, Holy smokes! The, the future is bright with, um, with with Charlie behind center there at, at Curry. Special teams you saw uh, in in the earlier crunch time highlights. Uh, Jake Trahan, one of the wide receivers, he he had uh, a punt block, a forced fumble, scoop and score touchdown, which kind of got uh, the the ball rolling there for for the Gulls. And Ryan Smith, man, this kid is something else. He uh, you know from the uh, Nick DiCariano sh- uh, school. Um, 13 points, three for three field goals, four for four on PATs for 13 total points. Awesome job for him. And he, they might need Smith to, to carry them a little bit. I think this game with RPIs could be close. So getting points when they can are, are going to be critical. On uh, defense, Cal Sullivan from Hobart with an 86-yard pick six and Hobart's 31 to nothing win for the fifth-year senior. What an outstanding you know capstone moment! They're going to have a tough game against Westminster in Pennsylvania on Saturday, but with guys you know roaming the secondary like Cal, it gives Hobart a good chance. Ben Bergen, this is the I think the second, maybe third time he's appeared in this spot. He leads Division Three with 
136 tackles, and he also, I think he also led Division Three in tackles back in the spring. This guy might have had like 200 something tackles in in this calendar year. Uh, All American, you know, level effort. He might actually arguably be one of the best defensive players in the country. Um, awesome job for him, and and they needed every one of those stops in, in their win. And then finally, you know, here we are, right before the playoffs. Uh, we're down to what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eleven undefeated teams. You can call it a, a dozen if you throw Williams in there. Um, you know, at two hundred thirty-nine, this is these are the guys who made it to this point um, undefeated. And you know, there's going to be some more losses uh, coming up. For you know, not everyone on this list can stay undefeated. There's only going to be one one person or one team that makes it to the end. I guess Williams sort of is already in the clubhouse. They don't have to worry about it, so they're guaranteed <laughs> to be undefeated. But for everybody else, it's completely up for grabs. Well. Epically long uh, live show, but we uh, covered a lot of uh, ground here. Uh, thanks to everyone at Anna Maria and at Springfield and the athletics departments uh, that assisted us in getting everything together. Our friend Brian McGoffin over at Springfield is always a tremendous, top-notch job. And Coach Maroney basically ran point for us at Anna Maria. But everybody, uh, it's a team effort, uh, not to be cliche yep. about it. Uh, good luck to those teams. Good luck to all 32 playoff teams. We'll see all 32, we think, uh, on the Bracket Blitz show Saturday at 11.50 a.m. Again, we'll get that slate up here. But uh, it's going to be on d3football.com on Facebook. Uh, so make sure you go to the d3football.com quick, Facebook page. Go ahead. Quick reminder here. So for, for those keeping score at home, the noon kickoffs are going to be Washington Lee versus Mount Union, Anna Maria versus Del Val, Hopkins versus Salisbury, Lacrosse at, at Albion, Springfield at Cortland, uh, Framingham at Muhlenberg. I think you also have to add RPI Endicott where our friend Matt Union, uh, Matt Noonan will be on the call. So listen out for that. Um, Rose Holman is, is also taking on DePaul at noon. And then the one o'clock games are going to be Carnegie Mellon, North Central, uh, Trinity, Mary Harden Baylor, uh, Greenville, Whitewater, Lake Forest, St. John's, Bethel, Central, Huntington, Birmingham Southern, Aurora, Wheaton. And then finally, at 3 p.m., we have the, the West Coast game of Redlands at Linfield. That is the 16-game slate that we'll be talking about. Hopefully we get... All 16, so, we'll see. It, that breaks down to 8, 7, and 1, basically, right, in terms of uh, the split? Pretty much. So, okay, yep. a mm-hmm. nice even split, at least, in terms of uh, if you can't get the games to be fully separated, at least they're going to be separated by an yeah. hour, uh, half and half. So, you'll be uh, want to be with us for that process. Uh, even if you go to a game, you can still tune in via Facebook to see what we're seeing out there because you'll have the up-to-date scores literally on your screen as we go from game to game. And you know we don't sit out in any one game too long uh, unless there is action that necessitates it. So, JB, uh, epic week here for us, and uh, it continues tomorrow. So, folks, stay tuned. We will see you on the Bracket Blitz show and then throughout the weekend on Twitter. And next week, we'll have an update show as always.